Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come together tonight to think about how to serve you as students. Lord, we pray that this will be a, a helpful session. We pray that you will challenge us where we need to be challenged. We pray that you will also encourage us where we need encouragement. And we pray that you will help me to be faithful to your word and to share godly wisdom for all of us from your word. And we commit our time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we spend more time studying and working than doing nearly anything else. I mean, maybe we do sleeping as well, but that's about it. And the demand on Malaysians for working is more than nearly any other country in the world. In the world. They did a survey about this, and uh, KL is uh, number 21 in the most workaholic cities of the world. And of course, it's even worse for you who are pursuing medical degrees, right, like doctors and things like this, it's even worse. And so it's very easy when we are working, 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 to allow Jesus to be pushed to the side in our life. When we are in a place where a work-obsessed culture, where everyone around us is working hard, it's very, very difficult to be different as a Christian through that. Very difficult. But we always do have a choice. We might not feel like we have a choice all the time, but we always do have a choice. And this evening in this, uh, this talk, I want to challenge you to be a bit different, to live for Christ, to live for his gospel, even while you are working hard on your, your studies. Uh, there's one thing for sure. It's actually very daunting to do these medical degrees. My sister is a, is a doctor. Uh, my sister-in-law is also a doctor in Australia, so I have observed how hard they have worked over the years. There's a lot of pressure, isn't it? There's pressure to learn many things. There's a pressure of the postings and the exams. There's pressure to perform because we don't want to fail. Uh, we don't want to disappoint our parents who are paying a lot of money for our degree. Uh, we don't want to waste so much time and effort studying and then not achieving our goal. And that means that university is a really testing time for many of us. It's a test of your Christian faith. It's a test uh, of what really matters to you, of what you are really uh, living for. Uh, it's a test of whether you will live for Christ uh, and his gospel, or you will really live your life for yourself, for your own comfort and security and success. And it's a really important test because even though you may not feel it right now, you actually have more time now as a student than probably any time in the future in your life. And see, when you graduate, Many of you will have to work very long hours. Uh, and so if you don't learn how to prioritize Jesus and his gospel now while you're a student, well, it's going to be ten times harder uh, after you graduate. Uh, so it's a time of challenge, but it's also a time of opportunity. It's a precious little window in your life to really grow as a Christian and to serve Jesus. It's not an opportunity you're ever going to have again. You only get it once, unless you stay a student forever. Uh, so don't waste it. Uh, study is important, yes, 
but Jesus is most important. Another opportunity that you have right now is flexibility. Right? Aside from your classes and your placements, then you are fairly flexible with your time. Whether you want to study or sleep, you know, it's kind of up to you. Uh, yes, you need to get your work done, uh, but you have flexibility where you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, and so on. Uh, and that flexibility can be used to serve Christ, or it can be used to serve yourself. Uh, you also have freedom as well. So many of you are living away from home. Who's staying with their parents right now? Anyone? No, right? So you all have had to move out of home to come here for studies, right? And uh, that means that you are free, you see. <laughs> you are free to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, to make your own decisions, and, and, and so on. And that is a great opportunity. Uh, but guess what? It's also a test as well. Because you could use that freedom to serve Jesus and to know him better, but you could also use that freedom to live for yourself, to do all the things that you didn't get to do before, but now you have the freedom to do it. So this is the question I want you to think about this evening. Will my time at university be used to serve me, or will it be used to serve Christ? Will it be used to serve me, or will it be used to serve Christ? Well, here's a few questions I want us to start off with uh, as we think about this. Uh, and the first one is, what do you treasure? What do you treasure? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is your treasure? Your, your, the treasure is the thing that you is most precious to you, that you value the most. And this passage says it's the thing that's in your heart. It's the thing that you desire, that you think about. What is the thing that you treasure? I guess for many of us, the reason why we are studying in this university and doing this course, well, it may be because we, we want to care for other people, and sometimes people become doctors and dentists because they want to care for people. But many times it's not because of that, is it? Uh, maybe it's because uh, everyone will call you doctor, uh, you will get lots of money, uh, and uh, people will respect you, and with the money you can have a comfortable life, and your parents will be proud of you. See, sometimes what we treasure is not so much about Jesus and his gospel, but we treasure other things, good marks. We treasure uh, success. We treasure money. Uh, we treasure uh, comfort. Uh, so before, as I was preparing this talk, I, I, was, uh, I chatted to some of my uh, doctor friends, uh, in different places. Uh, this is what one of my doctor's friends said to me. He said, Christians often struggle with prioritizing Jesus over parents, grades, career, success, and material comfort. Isn't that true? Yeah? What do you treasure? Second question, who are you serving? Who are you serving? Jesus continues in this passage, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is Healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Notice what that says. You cannot serve God and money. Some of us think to ourselves, I'm going to serve God and money. I mean, why, why does it have to be a choice uh, between the two? Can't I be a Christian and serve in church and also be successful and rich and comfortable and happy? But that's not what Jesus says here, is it? He says we need to make a choice about which of these we are going to serve. Which is going to be our master? Will it be God or will it be money? Uh, which one will be our God? Will we idolize success and money, grades, or will we worship Jesus and his kingdom? So, what, who are you serving? The third question, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Uh, Jesus continues in this passage. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious uh, about your... Uh, sorry, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, the, around us we find people who are, are very anxious about many things, isn't it? Maybe we are not necessarily anxious about uh, having enough food to eat, but we may well be anxious about our exams, or anxious about our future, or anxious about our family. And sometimes being anxious will make us work very hard, uh, maybe even harder than we should be working. But here we're told uh, that that's what non-Christian people do. Non-Christian people are anxious about all those things, anxious about their future, anxious about their marks, because they only have this world and they don't know God who loves them and cares for them and provides for them. But the Christian is to be different. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Our first priority, in other words, is not the marks and the comfort and having all those things, but seeking, but serving Jesus, serving his kingdom. So they're, they're really good questions to ask. What do you treasure? Who are you serving? And uh, the third one, what are you seeking? And is it Jesus and his kingdom? Or is it something else? That will make a big difference to how you spend your time when you're in uh, university. This is actually the time in your life when you're going to decide what your life is going to be about. Uh, the, the decisions you make as a student now is going to shape how you live in the future. And so what I'm telling you now tonight is, don't waste your university time. Make the decision now, while you're a student, to live your life for Jesus and for his kingdom, and not for the things of this world, like all your other classmates around you. Now I want to zoom back at this point and just think a little bit about what the Bible says about work. Uh, and then how uh, we often misunderstand that as, as Christians. Some of this might be familiar, some of it might be new. So at the beginning of the Bible, uh, we see that work is good. Work is good. And we see that right at the beginning of Genesis, because then we see that God is a worker. Right? We see that uh, God creates the world, and, and we read in Genesis 2, God finished his work that he had done. So work is a good thing. God is a worker, 
and he makes us work too. Right? Uh, he takes the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so work is, is good. It's a, it's a blessing. Uh, but it's also not the purpose of life. Uh, God works, but he also rests as well, isn't it? He rests on the seventh day. We're not made to work all the time, and we're not made to rest all the time. Work is good, and rest is good too. Uh, and in his love, God allows us to do both. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, God could have just created a finished world. Uh, the world of Revelation 21, a beautiful golden city with people from all the nations there, everything's finished. But that's not what he does, is it? He creates a man and he creates a woman and he tells them to get to work. God is, is kind in that. So work is actually a privilege. Being able to study is actually a privilege and one that maybe we often take uh, for granted but we must understand that actually all work is good. All work is good. See, we have a, a tendency to find our identity in our work. So we say, well, what do you do? And you say, well, I am a doctor, or I am a dentist. We find our identity in our, in our career. Uh, because we might even think to ourselves, well, if I'm a doctor, or I'm a dentist, or I'm in one of those, you know, a lawyer or something like that, that I'm actually of more important or I'm of greater value than other people. You know, maybe the maid or the cleaner or the person who collects my rubbish uh, and so on. But actually what makes me valuable and what makes me important is not what work I do, but who I am. We are people who are made in the image of God. That's what gives us our value, not the work that we, uh, we do. Uh, and, the, and we also see that the ability to enjoy our work is a gift of God. So in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, yeah, uh, it says, I perceive there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to men. So it assumes that uh, not everyone's going to enjoy their work, uh, but if you do get to enjoy your work, then that's a gift of God. It's something to thank God for him. Now, because work is good, that means that it's a good candidate for being an idol in your life. An idol is anything that you are tempted to uh, worship or trust in uh, as your ultimate source of happiness, security, and, and meaning in your life. And an idol can be anything. My life is only meaningful if I'm successful in what I do, if I can really achieve something meaningful in my life. And so that's often why we start striving for the marks. Uh, and it's an attitude that we can carry on with us as we go to work. We always want to do more and go higher so that we can feel that I'm significant or I'm, I'm valued. So we will strive for a particular uh, uh, profession, and then we might try and uh, reach a specialty or, or have a promotion uh, in our thing because that makes us feel valuable and significant, and, and other people speak well of us, and we and we like that. And if we have that idol, then we can very quickly become workaholics, people who work all the time. Because if I'm not getting that praise from others, if I'm not achieving things, then my life starts to feel empty. 
Because there's always something more I can achieve, there's always something more to do, there's always more people to impress, and so you'll work harder and longer and more and more, and yeah, it can be very disastrous. The second one that we can have is security. Uh, working hard often leads to the accumulation of money, and it's easy to look to money to make us happy instead of God. Uh, and again, that quest for being secure can make us work harder and harder and longer and longer so that we can have more money and we can be more secure. We can also idolize comfort, it's similar, uh, because uh, as you have money, then you can also be comfortable as well as secure. Uh, and so we often talk about the five C's. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this before. The five C's, career, cash, condo, credit card, and country club membership. Uh, they're the things that uh, we look to as uh, it's going to make our life really uh, meaningful and, and happy. If we have all those things, if we're comfortable, if we're safe, if we have money in the bank account, then we will have a happy, secure life. Now the thing is, idols like these, they're not always uh, obvious straight away, you see. Because I might be still coming to church, and I might be serving in various ministries, uh, but actually, I'm living for something else rather than Jesus. And in the end, it will be seen in our priorities. It will be seen in our church attendance. We'll find all the time we start coming less and less, uh, that we serve less and less, uh, we might read our Bible less and less and pray. I mean, we might still come to church, but we, we, when we go home, we forget about Jesus. We're too busy reading our, our books to read our Bibles. And uh, over time, uh, we can drift further and further away from Jesus. And so we need to keep reminding ourselves, you know, this is just a course. This is just a job. This is not what gives meaning or value to my life. I'm living for Jesus, not living for my studies. So how do you know if something has become an idol for you? Here's a few, a few tests. So one of the tests is uh, that you start looking to your study to give you meaning or purpose. Uh, if you start thinking to yourself that you can't be happy if you don't get good marks, uh, or if you don't get recognition from your parents maybe, uh, or you, you can spot an idol if you begin to prioritize your study over other things, such as your church or your family, uh, if you're spending excessive time studying, uh, or if you, as I said, you start to find yourself coming to church less and less and not reading the Bible. So that's the first thing we're looking at. Work is good, but that means you can become an idol. So let's go to the second point. The second point is that work is grim. Because we live in a fallen world that has been spoiled by sin. And that means that our work is painful and it is difficult. And we see that especially in Genesis 3, don't we? After they eat from the fruit, uh, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Uh, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, you are dust. To dust you shall uh, return. And that can make uh, our work very meaningless, isn't it? I mean, you think if you're a doctor, right, and you, you manage to uh, heal your patient, which you aim for most of the time, right, well, they're still going to get sick again, aren't they? 
they're not going to live forever. Ultimately, no matter how much you help them, it's not going to be a permanent thing. And it's the same with the, your dentist and you're going with the teeth. But they're still going to be back there with their decay in a few months' time. You know, well, why did I clean it for you and then you didn't even brush your teeth again? It's just on and on and on uh, again. So work can be uh, can feel toilsome. It can feel tiring. Uh, it can and we can uh, we can find people that uh, really make it difficult. I mean, you go into the hospital and you think here are doctors or dentists. Here are people who are really trying to love and care for others. But then you might meet a, your, your senior or your boss who's actually not a very nice person towards you or not very nice to the other patients. It can be very difficult, can't it? You find that the hospital cares more about getting money than they care about helping the people. So that's the world that we live in, a world where work is often uh, grim, uh, where it's often uh, disappointing and definitely where it's very hard. Uh, and God, uh, I guess, he's, he's showing us through this uh, that ultimately uh, our work can't really make us happy. Right? If you make your work your idol, guess what, it's going to disappoint you. Because it's going to let you down again and again and again. Uh, we read this in, uh, in Ecclesiastes. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart, which which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Uh, our idols will disappoint us. So if you look for your meaning in being a doctor or whatever job that you are doing in a cursed world like this, well, you will never find the lasting joy and meaning and satisfaction that you're looking for. You will be disappointed and you will find it meaningless in the end. And most meaning, meaningless of all, we will all die one day and no one will remember your achievements. Uh, you know, in 50 years' time, no one will even know who most of us are. And even if we do achieve something, then the person who takes over from us, they may wreck it all anyway. So we need more. We need more than just work. Let's go to the next point, and that is that work is redeemed. Work is redeemed. And so it's not all bad news. Uh, we can actually serve Jesus with our work. Because Jesus died on the cross, he was raised again, he's forgiven our sins, and now he's brought us into a restored relationship with God where our work can be truly uh, meaningful. We can serve God in our work. So in Colossians we read this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And Paul's writing these letters to slaves. They don't have a very easy life, do they? But he's saying to the slave, as they work for their master, they are working for the Lord, who is their ultimate uh, boss. Uh, and so that means that whatever we do, whether we're, stud whether we're studying or we're doing our placements, we can actually serve Jesus uh, with, uh, with our work. Uh, but we have a new goal, do you, do you see? Uh, verse 22, our goal is godliness. I mean, we're not people pleasers. We are people of integrity. We are people of sincerity. We work hard not only when people is looking, because we know that God is always looking. We're faithful, we're reliable, we're loving. 
Uh, and so we have a new master at work. We're serving Jesus. We're not just serving our boss. We want to please him with our work. And we have a new reward. We're not just working for money. Here it says we will have an inheritance as our reward. In other words, we're looking forward to being with Jesus uh, in heaven. We have heavenly treasures. Uh, and so work is redeemed. We can honour and serve God as we study. Uh, and we can also, uh, it also means there's another kind of work we can do. We can glorify God as we do the work of the Lord. The Bible has two types of work, you see. One is working for the Lord. So working in your studies or your doctor, as a, in your career, doing that for the Lord. But you can also do the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is the work of sharing the gospel with people. And we know that from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. It says, My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, there's one work that will last. Yes, you treat your patients, they're still going to die in the end. But if you share the gospel with someone and they become a Christian, guess what? That work is going to last forever. Because they will have eternal life with Jesus. And that means that even though what we do in our jobs is important and loving and serves Jesus, this is the work that really matters the most. Sharing the gospel with people, uh, keep people around us. Okay, so that's a, a very short summary of what the Bible says about work. So now let's uh, come to some false understandings that uh, we often accept as Christians. Uh, so the first one uh, is that I'm called to a particular profession. It's really, really common for Christians to say, I feel called to be you know, a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Uh, but if you actually uh, read through the language of calling in the Bible, you will discover it has absolutely nothing to do with what job you do. Uh, and it has absolutely nothing to do with being called to full-time ministry or to be a missionary either. Uh, in, uh, in the Bible, we are called to be Christians. We are called to be holy. We are called to heaven. We're even called to suffer, but we're never called to be doctors or lawyers or dentists or pastors or missionaries. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great book uh, about this topic called Do You Feel Called by God? And this is a, a quote from the author. He says, in summary, because he looks at every reference to the word call in the Bible, this is his summary. In summary, based on these 300 plus uses of the word call, as they relate to the church period following the ministries of Jesus and the apostles, you and I are called by God in two ways. First, we are called to be Christians, to be disciples of Jesus. Second, we are called to be holy, to grow in Christ-likeness. If we accept these two statements, then I believe answers to all the other questions about guidance and vocation will become much more straightforward. But let me say one more time, the concept of feeling called to some particular Christian service finds no support within the scriptures. So we are never called to a career. There's no verse that you will ever find that says that being a doctor, a lawyer, or a dentist is a more God-honoring profession than being a maid or something else. 
You know, why, why is it that no one ever says, I feel called to be a garbage collector? Have you ever met someone say that to you? Or I feel called to be a gardener. Or I feel called to be a bus driver. I mean, just, do, do we not need anyone to drive buses? Does God not care about gardens being done? And I'm called to be to work in border security. No, no one will ever say that. Uh, we only speak of being called to, to professions that we feel are glamorous and important. That's why we say that I'm called to be a doctor or I'm called to be a pastor, because we think it's something uh, important. And then we use that, that language of calling, to justify why we are working so hard on that thing. Well, we shouldn't do it. Here's another quote from my uh, doctor friend. Uh, he says this, A medical job is just a job. Not a special calling or special in some way that is different from other jobs. Our call is to be a Christian and to live for him. So it's not the vocation that glorifies him. It's how you do it. Very helpful, isn't it? Uh, let's go to the second misunderstanding that we have. second one is that glorifying God at work is about excellence. Glorifying God is about excellence. Now, there was a, a verse earlier that, uh, that I think we read. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance. So, yes, you honor God when you work for the Lord. Yes. When we're, when we're not lazy, when we're sincere, we actually do the study and assignments that we're meant to do, that honors God. The problem is, the verse doesn't say that you glorify God by being the best. You glorify God by being excellent, the best doctor, the best specialist. Sometimes we think that, isn't it? If I can be the best in my field, then I will be a better witness to people around me. But the, God never requires us to be the best. God only requires us to be faithful. And being faithful as a Christian means being faithful in all of our life and not just in one part of it. So if you are going to be the best doctor or the best specialist, imagine how much study and work you have to do. But if you do that, is it really going to be honoring to God as I work, 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 but I have no time to spend with my children? I have patchy church attendance. I hardly read my Bible or pray. Is that being faithful in all of my life? See, the truth is, if you overinvest in one part of your life, then you will be unfaithful to God in the other parts of your life. And God wants us to honor Him with all of our life and not just with one part of our life. So we don't need to be the best doctor or the best specialist. I think one of the wonderful things about being a doctor is that you can refer people to someone else. Can refer someone else to the best doctor. We don't have to be them ourselves. So again, we need to maybe think, well, what's my motivation? Why do I need to be the top of my class? Why do I need to be the best? Is it merely because I want to serve Jesus? Or is it more about me? That it makes me feel good. That it makes me feel like I've achieved something. It gives me uh, purpose to my life. It's much more likely to be that. So the third one is this uh, false uh, understanding that we have. Being a good witness means doing what everyone else does. 
Right, so as you look, in other words, you look around and you see all your classmates is working hard, or you're in the dock in the hospital, and everyone else is staying back late and doing lots of extra hours, and you think, well, if I just go home or I do less work, then that's going to make me look like a bad witness because they're working hard and I'm just going home. And so we think uh, being a good witness means that I need to do what everyone else around me is doing as well. But the thing is this. Unless your life as a Christian is different to the people around you, why would they think about becoming a Christian? If you are always living like them, then why would they think about becoming like you, you see? Uh, because unless you can show the people around you that your values are different as a Christian, then actually your witness is not going to shine. Your witness is going to be diminished because you are no different from them. Uh, you are chasing the, 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 the reputation, the money, etc., just like they are. What difference does it make that you're a Christian? There's one more that I want us to think about, and that is that climbing the career ladder will mean that I'm better able to serve God. Uh, sometimes we think that, look, if I go higher up in the hospital, if I have more money, more reputation, then I'll be able to witness to more people, I'll have more opportunities to serve God. But it actually doesn't work like that, because the more you go up, 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 guess what? It requires more work. It requires more time. And so very often, as you go up, 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 it means that you're less able to serve God, rather than more. Uh, so there's a four, four things that would be good if you can uh, uh, discuss it a bit more later on. You can ask questions if you want. So why do we work? And there are three ways that we can think about what we're doing. Uh, people talk about having a job, a career, or a vocation. Job, a career, or a vocation. I want you to think about which one of these sounds like what a Christian should have. So a job is something that you do to earn money so that you can have food to eat. A career is something that you live for, that gives you purpose or meaning. Uh, so you, you're doing it to be, feel successful and so on. Uh, and the third one is a vocation. It's something that, uh, I mean, you're working, but you, you love it anyway. You're doing it, uh, you would do it even if you weren't being paid for it, really, because you, you love it so much. And they do research, they say, look, if someone has a, sees their work as a job, they're actually quite happy. They are unhappy most of the time. Uh, and in the last one, they're the most happy people. Find. So which one do you think uh, a Christian should have? Should a Christian have a job? Should a Christian have a career? Or should a Christian have a vocation? Well, if you've understood Ecclesiastes, most of us will not have number three because most of the time work's going to be very difficult. So that really puts you back to one and two. Should we have a job or should we have a career? Well, the career is all about idolizing your work, isn't it? looking for meaning and purpose. Christians should have jobs, not careers. Here's one way of thinking about it. This is like how a Christian would do work. Uh, we work to live, we don't live for work. We work to live, we don't live for work. We live for Christ, right? We live to serve Jesus. That's our purpose. And so we may give up work uh, to, serve, uh, to serve Jesus. 
uh, like our, our, our beloved brother, uh, Pastor Juan, uh, is done. You know, he used to have another job. Now he's working as a pastor. He gave up his previous job in order to come and be the pastor here. Uh, that is a Christian way of thinking it. Now, not all of us are going to become, become pastors, but sometimes we can give up certain things to help us to serve Jesus better. So work is something that we do so that we have money to buy food, so that we don't have to be a burden on other people, so that we can be generous with our money, that we can give to other people. We don't do it to, uh, to, to bring meaning to our life. So a Bible William Taylor says, we shouldn't over-spiritualize work. We work to eat. Our lives, our goal in life, is serving Jesus, helping other people to know him. And so we might give up our work to do that. So as we are finished then, uh, let's think how now then we can serve, seek Jesus' kingdom first while we are students. Uh, so the first thing I want to say is, uh, use your time at university to know God better. Use your time at university to know God better. There's a lot of things to learn while you're at university. But don't lose this opportunity to learn about Jesus. Yeah? It's a very precious time when you actually have the time and the space to really think about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does the Bible actually say? Imagine how difficult that's going to be when you're doing 12-hour shift. Uh, you'll be doing enough just to stay alive, let alone to be able to you know, read and to think more about things. Secondly, commit to your local church. Because if you can't commit to attending a church now, then you'll never be able to do it later on. Because as you get older in life, and I'm much older than most of you, your responsibilities only grow and grow. I mean, you might get married, you might have uh, children, I think pastor has three children, so he's a very busy man. Um, and there's always going to be excuses for why I can't do things. There's always going to be another assignment that's coming up tomorrow, or another exam, or another placement. They don't end, do they? There's always going to be more of them. See, it's, it's, it's all about our priorities. We all have the same amount of time. It just depends what we choose to do, uh, to do with it. Uh, there was a, a doctor friend of mine when I was back in, in KL. Uh, she, uh, she graduated from her medical course and she did a placement in the hospital. And she was doing these overnight shifts. And uh, there wasn't enough, uh, it was during Ramadan, I think. She was one of the only Chinese doctors there and all the other doctors were you know, off on leave. And so she, she kept working these 12 hour shifts, sometimes 15 hours and sometimes back to back. And what she would do is she would finish her shift and she, often she would drive straight to church for the Bible study. And she'd work the whole night and Sunday she'd come to church uh, for the service. Uh, sometimes she was so tired she almost had car crash. But it showed her heart, isn't it? Uh, that serving Jesus was most important. Yes, she, she had to do the shift, but she was going to get to church no matter what no matter what it took. So uh, my doctor friend Mike says this, uh, it's very demanding, there will be seasons of difficulty, and in those times, perseverance as a Christian is important. So try to make church and your small group a priority. If you can't, somehow keep Christian fellowship. Because when you're in the most testing time, when you're the most tired, that's when you need church and you need Christians the most. 
Now, I know that some of you are actually working very hard in serving in the ministry here. It's a small group, so it probably means that many of you have to serve quite frequently doing, uh, doing various things. And it can be a struggle, isn't it? I'm studying, and then I've also got to prepare for music, and i also got to come here. It can be very exhausting. And it's good to rest, isn't it? Uh, what, will, what will stop us from burning out and just giving up on serving is to always remember why you are doing it. Why are you doing all this ministry work? You're doing it because Jesus loved you first. The moment that you forget that you're serving others because Jesus served you, you're loving others because Jesus loved you, that's when you'll feel so tired that you can't do it anymore. But as you remember the love of Jesus for you, then you can be like my friend Janice. You really push yourself to love others, even though it was so difficult. So use your time to know what better. Commit to your local church. Get trained. Use this precious window to know the Bible as well as you can, to learn how to share the gospel with other people. Uh, uh, make the most of the opportunity. The fourth one, see yourself as a missionary on your campus. See, when in your course, there are all of these people who are not Christians around you. And you're sitting next to them in your classes and you're seeing them in the cafeteria. It's a really excellent opportunity to share your faith uh, with, with others. So look for the opportunities to do that. It might mean that you have less time to study, but you might be able to help someone come to know the Lord Jesus. Uh, establish good financial practices. You might think that's a strange one because I know none of you probably have much money at the moment, right? Uh, but the thing is, if you can learn how to use a little bit of money well, then when you have a lot of money in the future, which I guess some of you will, you will also be able to manage it in a way that's God-honoring. See, if you can't learn to give to God when you have little, then actually you probably won't learn to give to God when you have much, because it's about your heart, generosity in your heart. Uh, every decision counts. So there are some decisions in life that are big, there are some that are small, but all the little decisions, they send you in a trajectory, they send you in a direction. You might think, oh, it's not very important that I decided to study instead of coming to church. What difference does it make? But all those little decisions can take you somewhere very different. Someone who loves and serves Jesus and someone who has given up on Jesus and gone for their career. The little decisions matter. Every decision matters. How you think now is how you will think for the rest of your life. And so that's the last point. Consider what you're going to do with your life. What will a successful life look like for you? Now, many of you are going to be leaders in the future just because of what you are studying. But are you going to use it for yourself? Or are you going to use it for Jesus and for others? So in the end, what really matters is not what you do. Uh, what makes us valuable is that God made you and that Jesus died for you. That's what matters. What matters is what kind of person we are and what our priorities are and what we are seeking to do. I hope that you will make the most of your time at university and be all like all your friends around you. But make the decision to use your life and use these precious years to serve Jesus, to serve his people. 
I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to give you a chance to have a bit of a discussion before we, we, we wrap up. Uh, let, me, let me pray first. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that you made us, that you have called us to be your children, and we thank you that you sent your Son to die for us, so that we could be forgiven and have life. And so, Lord, help us to treasure the right things. Help us to serve you and not money. Help us to seek your kingdom instead of being anxious about the things of this world. Lord, thank you for the precious opportunities you've given us in university. Help us, Lord, to make the most of them so that our lives may truly glorify you in response to what you have done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um.